Welcome to Growth Hack by Poppy Digital. Tips and tricks to master the algorithms from industry insiders. Now here's your host, Julian Espinoza. Welcome back to Growth Hack, where we break down marketing channels like Google, Facebook, Instagram, and show them how to make them work for you. Today's episode, we discuss influencer marketing. This is really going to be one of my favorite episodes because we use influencers a lot. Now, the reason we use influencers may actually surprise you. We invited Sarah Gross, head of influencer marketing at Muse6, to crack open the latest tactics in influencer marketing. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to chat shop and get a little bit into strategy tactics and hopefully everyone listening will leave us something that they can actually implement. Let's talk about, let's go into the benefits. Like what are some just core value benefits getting started in influencer marketing? Totally. So as you're launching your brand, you don't have any real data, right? And so reaching out to influencers, you're going to acquire a lot of data at a small scale. So by reaching out to an influencer through emails, you can see what subject line is interesting and turn that into maybe an email pop-up on your website, or you can turn that into a headliner in a Facebook ad. Um, you're also acquiring emails and there's so many different ways you can repurpose emails, not just for marketing, but as you reach out to more and more influencers, if you get a little bit more advanced, you can actually turn that email list into a custom audience for other paid marketing channels. So that's an interesting way that you can repurpose influencer marketing. Um, again, you can repurpose content. That was That's the number one growth hack I can recommend is influencers for content curation, especially when you think of how expensive it can be for a full production. Sometimes, and, and a lot of the times, the in the campaigns I manage, we're just sending out product with little or no additional cost or fee paid to the influencer. Um, and so at that point, we can see, okay, like what's the influencer's genuine reaction to this product? Are they actually loving it? Are they using it how it's intended to be used? And how are their audience responding to it? What are the comments? Um, how many likes are they getting? Is that similar to the other content pieces that they've posted? And then what you can do is you can kind of create this cycle where having an influencer post and, and in, you yourself as a brand engage with the comments um, and, and kind of creating your own network and army of supporters just from this this one influencer. And it's it's really awesome. Why don't you briefly explain user-generated content and then how that's performing for your clients? Sure. So there's actually a few ways to curate user-generated content, right? One is to create the user-generated content or prompt it yourself when you're reaching out to different creators or influencers. That's one way that you can sustainably curate this on autopilot. You can also kind of check out who has tagged your brand on Instagram. Maybe they've used your hashtag on TikTok. Um, there's a whole slew of ways to find YouTube content where brands mention you. And you can go out and reach out to these influencers, content creators, and ask them for permission to repurpose their content there. So there's a few options on how to actually put it together. And then once you have this library, 
what we're seeing is using content in ads, specifically Facebook and Instagram, drive more efficient results. And so if you compare a produced ad, you know, like with the cat and the trainer and the set and the lighting and all that compared to an ad that you maybe stitched together, or it could just be one influencer or one content creator. Um, and we used video a lot. So we'll take like a, maybe an Instagram story, which is the perfect aspect ratio, um, and just throw in a bumper and a bumper meaning um, having your logo and maybe a call to action. So shop now. Um, throwing that together, it maybe takes 30 minutes tops. If you compare the two and put a similar spend behind it, you'll most likely see that the UGC performs better. It maybe drives more clicks. It maybe stops people on their screen a little bit more. Um, and most importantly, drives more conversions. Working with user-generated content, not only will it make your results more efficient, but you'll also be able to test more efficiently. It's so much easier to maybe send out two products to two different influencers instead of creating two completely different shoots or having one shoot and hiring two actors, right? Um, and so again, just every, every real way you can repurpose influencer content should make your funnel more efficient. There is another way that um, we haven't talked about that is kind of my secret weapon. It's something called influencer whitelisting. And it's the same exact thing, the same exact way as you would um, like do media buying for your own brand, right? You have an ad manager, you set up your campaigns, targeting everything. But instead of running this ad through your account, you're actually asking an influencer to give you access to their ad manager um, and you can use their content. And instead of letting the organic algorithm decide who's uh, going to see the content, you can strategically place this ad in front of a specific audience as if you were doing media buying for yourself or for your own brand. And what makes it more efficient using influencers pages to whitelist is because one, it will add more credibility seeing someone talk about your brand. If it's an unboxing video or, for, or if it's a review, you get that extra level of credibility. And then especially if your product is a little bit more on the expensive side, we see that you might need to target or remarket a, a customer a few more times because they're not, it's not just like the candy at the, at the, at the grocery store where you're just going to throw it in your, on the belt and go, you really have to decide and make a, make a smart decision if you're going to purchase an expensive item. And so adding more interesting ways on introducing your brand to a targeted audience will drive more conversions. No, you, you've brought up such an excellent point and I'm going to be frank. I have not taken that opportunity yet to um, try that. But for those that you knew, that don't necessarily know what we're talking about, you've probably seen it when you're scrolling through your feed and it says paid promotion right under that post and right under that person's name. And so that tells that that tells the user that basically what Sarah just mentioned is that that advertiser connected with the influencer, the influencer allowed them to market on them. Now, it's really interesting because if you have to think about this for a second, that influencer that maybe have, has shared their post probably didn't have the same level of reach that this particular strategy. So let's talk about that for a second. So on average, do you know what 
you know, let's say an influencer has a million followers, they don't reach all million of their followers. Do you know any numbers behind that? Um, usually what I say is Instagram stories gets between 20 to 40% of your audience, um, that clicks through. However, Instagram stories, there's really no, um, it's, it's not as shareable content, right? It's, it goes, the content goes to the people who follow you, um, on just normal posts that you share on your feed. There's really no way, right? You can, there's different ways you can optimize to be on, um, the discovery page. And that's where these accounts with millions and millions of followers maintain their followers and maintain their engagement because they constantly show up on the discovery page. So people who don't follow them um, can access their content um, through a, the discovery. Um, but I, I don't really have a good answer for you there. No, the, and that's okay. The idea though, that it's it's a lot smaller. So take a million, right? And take your number 20 or 40%, doesn't matter where it is. So like, imagine, let's just take the number 40 and let's do a million. That's 400,000 people who are seeing it. And there's 600,000 people who follow that person who haven't seen that. And so talk to us a little bit about this particular strategy. Would I be reaching all of their followings based on the ad budget, other people? And how, how do you manage that paid promotion? That's actually a, a really interesting point, right? Because especially with iOS 14, everyone's prepping for, there's limited ways to track and, and retarget. But what you can absolutely do and there's no effect to is retargeting to your engaged audience. So if you have access to an influencer's account, you can retarget everyone who has one engaged with the influencer. So maybe they don't follow, maybe they just comment or maybe they like. That's an interesting way to um, target. Same thing with retargeting their their entire following. Mm -hmm. um, but what's also interesting is that a lot of these macro influencers, celebrity accounts, every not everyone who is following them would actually buy, right? So let's let's do an example. Um, Kim Kardashian, let's say for some reason she why is she always the go-to like influencer for everything <laughs> i don't i mean she's she's great her her content is interesting but let's let's use it every if you don't know who kim kardashian is please look her up um but let's say let's say she lets us use her account and um we are a let's say we're a clothing brand right um, and even if we whitelist her account and target all of her followers, not all of her followers are qualified to, to buy our, our products, right? Maybe it's, they're out of the country because her following is so big and we can't ship internationally. Maybe um, a portion of her following is too young. They don't even have a credit card yet. Um, and then on top of that, they're just generally not interested. Maybe it's a, a female clothing brand, a woman's brand. There's a ton of guys following her, they're probably not going to purchase for themselves. They might purchase for a significant other or a friend, um, but generally they're not, they're not the right audience. Um, and so what we typically do when we're whitelisting is actually use interest-based audiences or customer lookalikes as if we were building campaigns for our normal brands and actually move that over to influencer whitelisting. And, and it does extremely well. 
right? And and so again, when we're thinking about re remarketing, it's the same pool of people that see both your brand's ads and the influencer whitelisted ads, um, and most likely they're going to purchase the whitelisted ad because they've already seen your content before, they've seen your brand, but now Kim Kardashian, who they're not following, who they know about, is talking about it. And that's probably going to drive a conversion a lot more efficiently. Can you do cold marketing through an influencer? That's a strategy I would 100% recommend. And it doesn't have to be a Kim Kardashian. It can be a Sarah Barra and people will still purchase. And we've we've done this with, there's this one brand in particular. It's a, a Disney subscription box. And I'd say 90% of their marketing is done through influencers. And um, I, similarly, a ton of their ad spend is from being put towards influencer whitelisting, right? And so these influencers, they're, they're just Disney fanatics. There's definitely macro influencers who promote Disney content. Um, but what we're really seeing success in is finding these accounts with under 10,000 followers. They're literally no one to the world, but they're driving hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of revenue towards this brand efficiently. That's, that's incredible. So hopefully by now, if you're listening so far, you may have been convinced to do influencer marketing. Where do you begin? Where do you begin? <laughs> that's a, a bit. Of, so I always recommend like have a goal in mind. And I've mentioned this a, a few times and, and I want to stress it, have a goal, awareness, content, or revenue. Once you have that goal in mind, what is the platform you want to focus on? Is it TikTok? Is it Instagram? YouTube? Pinterest is a platform that's been, been blowing up recently. Maybe it's Snapchat. It could be Clubhouse. Who knows? There's like there's so many platforms and you have to make sure that it aligns with your core demographic, your customer demo. Um, once you identify that, um, what I would do is see who's tagging your competitors or see who's using your competitors' hashtags. Um, on Instagram, it's really easy to see tagged posts. On TikTok, you can go through and see popular hashtags and maybe a competitor brand has created a unique hashtag for them where it's really easy to just sort through it and find good accounts. Um, based off of your goal, right? Um, that's how you decide which influencer you want to approach. So if your goal is content, it's okay to reach out to someone with a few hundred followers, a hundred, hundreds of followers, not hundreds of thousands of followers, small, small accounts. You can throw engagement rates out the door. Um, as long as they have good content, that would be uh, a, a good account to reach out to. If your goal is revenue, you want to look at engagement rate. You also want to look at who is following their account, um, their follower demographic. Um, and then if your goal is awareness, um, you just want to, again, high follower count, high engagement, demographic doesn't matter, right? And so at that point, there's a few ways to actually connect with an influencer. You can shoot them a DM, slide right in, see if they're interested. Um, you, if they have a contact button on their Instagram account, you can email them. Sometimes they leave their phone number. I don't know why, but give them a cold call. I'm sure they'll appreciate it. Um, and, and there's a few interesting ways, like on TikTok, what you can do um, is find the influencer's profile on TikTok. And most likely they're gonna have an Instagram account attached or mentioned in their bio and see if they have their contacts there. If not, 
leave a comment, like tag them in a comment, say like, hey, this is my brand. This is what I'm doing. This is my product. Reach out. We'd love to collab. Um, I see it leaving your email in a comment is way more successful than saying like, DM me back or comment back um, because it's a lot more streamlined at that point. Love that. So you've started influencer marketing and there's so many ways to take this. Um, let's use an example for a consumer brand um, who um, has a good and it's under $100 just to keep it simple, right? Um, cause we're not going to pretend like we're Ferrari and it's a $300,000 Ferrari, right? So let's keep it simple product under a hundred bucks. How do you have a calculation or at least a theory behind if you are going to pay that creator or product is just okay? So if you have a product around a hundred dollars, I would 100% include the cost of product in your influencer messaging. Let them know that it's not a $10 deodorant. It's not, you know, some fast fashion. It's it's a hundred dollars. It's it's worth that to someone else. There is a lot of discussion about around like how much do I pay an influencer? Influencers, to be frank, create their own rates a lot of the times based off of nothing. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's just someone with an iPhone and they're taking selfies and, and videos and it maybe takes them 10, 20 minutes and they charge, you know, thousands of dollars. That's fine. What I usually look for is CPM. So how much, how many people or how many accounts are viewing their content? What I'm looking for is how many thousands of people are viewing their content and put a rate behind that. And so if, especially if we're thinking about Instagram stories, which usually get a ton of reach, uh, I ask them, okay, can you send me your metrics? Tell me how many people are, are viewing your, your stories. Um, let's say 20,000 people are viewing your story. Um, I'll pay you, let's say 20 bucks per thousand. And it's up to you to make sure that my content gets in front of as many people as possible. We can also pay an influencer based off of sales, and that's more affiliate commission, where I will pay you 20% of revenue that's being driven through your discount code. Um, and again, that's very performance driven. Um, and then I also usually ask like, hey, do you like, do you work with a photographer? Do you work with an editor? And if they have hard costs, it's, it's absolutely important as a brand to pay the influencer to make sure that you're covering those costs as well. Um, because you don't want them to lose money and you, especially if they're a great, if they create great content and if especially even more important, if they drive sales, you want to make sure that they're a fan of your brand and want to work with you in the future. You know, I love how you look at it from a CPM perspective. And so for the audience, uh, we'll, we'll address this. CPM is, stands for cost per thousand. I don't know why at the letter M, it means thousands, but that's where we're at. So meaning if you have 20,000 people, so you'd multiply 20 by whatever you're willing to pay per CPM, which in your case is 20 bucks, there's your number, right? So I think that would be what, 400 bucks? Which is not yeah. bad. Right. Right. And you're paying based on CPM. Now, comparing that to what we pay from a Facebook media buying perspective, if you're doing Facebook marketing right and Instagram marketing right, my CPMs float around like low fives to high eights, high, low nines, right? So 
you're also having to take an account for their name and their likeness, right? Because yes, you do have their reach, right? Which is what Facebook's doing. It's a reach and that that's what that is. But then you also have their name and their likeness. So, so you're, you're basically talking about three things when you're working with an influencer, you're talking about the cost to reach people, their name and their likeness, and then the production of the asset, right? So that's, that actually makes a lot of sense. And at $20 per thousand, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good for a business, at least, I don't know about the influencer and the creator, but from a business standpoint, that's pretty, pretty efficient, right? So you're paying 400 bucks and you get 20,000 people to reach out to you you get the name and the likeness of a person and you get the content production of it because then there's dividends on the back end, which we talked about at the beginning is we can take that same content and repurpose it later on. All right, so let's talk in terms of hacks. Let's talk where the hacks are. Yes, so big hack is repurposing influencer content. It's the kind of like lone soldier of influencer marketing where everyone unfortunately forgets that you can use it for ads. You can use content in your own social media. Um, you can use it in email pop-ups on your website, product pages, in an email campaign, SMS or MMS, SMS marketing. There's, I think there's like tens of different, like tons of different ways to repurpose influencer content. I mean, wherever your touch points are with customers, right? That's pretty much where you can use it. Exactly. <laughs> a simple, simply put, yes. Um, another hack that I think is a little bit underserved is actually asking influencers for their network. Say, hey, do you have a friend who you could recommend to work with us? And so they are actually recruiting influencers for you that potentially are pre-vetted with one simple message. Very little effort to you. Um, and you're you're essentially scaling your efforts with one ask, right? Um, so that would be another hack that I would definitely recommend anyone who's doing influencer marketing. Just ask your influencers like, hey, who do you know? <laughs> Introduce me. There are other uh, more technology tools that I would recommend. Um, if you're a Shopify brand, you can use a tool called Caro and it will actually pull all of your customer information um, you can connect your Instagram to it. You can connect your email list and it will actually give you a list of influencers based off of this data. And so at that point you can say, okay, I know you're a customer. You also follow my page and subscribe to my emails. Like I'm going to reach out to you and most likely you're going to say yes. And something that's interesting about this tool is it actually pulls in their Instagram data. If it's, if they're detected and says how many people are following them, their engagement rate and their most recent posts. So that's Caro. Um, and then another interesting tool that is way top of mind for me is called Gatsby. And so what this tool is, is it, it um, connects with your email pop-up. So when you're collecting emails to retarget, to maybe give them like an intro offer, um, you can actually ask them for their Instagram um, and you can remarket them or you can send them emails based off of their follower count. So just so happens someone with a million followers goes on your website and leaves their email address. On the back end, you can say, holy shit, this person has a million followers. Let's email them and say like, let's give them like a 60% discount. Like let's do something crazy. Let's give them free product. Let's invite them to meet the, the customer, like meet the founders. And the only reason you would know is because you have it uh, an optional 
field on your email pop-up asking for Instagram handles. So those would be top two tools I would recommend to growth hack your influencer marketing. Is there any parting words of wisdoms um, from a influencer marketer expert like yourself to a brand? Any parting words? I, so the biggest reason why brands don't do influencer marketing or at least try it is because they're afraid the content won't align with their brand aesthetic. And so the biggest word of advice that I can give to any brand, even thinking about influencer marketing, is it's okay to let creators and influencers dictate where they take the brand, right? If, if they use a product and it's in their everyday life, it's probably not going to be super lifestyle. It's going to be actually how they use it most likely other people will see themselves using the product themselves and actually purchase it. So I would say be open to the content you receive through influencer marketing and just try it. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, two questions for you. Where can someone find you and why would they want to contact you? Ooh, love that. Um, easiest way is through email, sarah at mute6.com. Um, you can also check out, I have a lot of content on LinkedIn. Um, and the reason you would reach out to me is one, if you have any questions on influencer market marketing or have any questions on your creative strategy for any paid media. Love that. All right. Thank you, Sarah.